Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Welcome back. Monday, August 8th, 2022. Hope you had a great weekend. I am Seth Liebson. The phone number to call in if you'd like is 602-508-0960. That's 602-5080-960. A lot to do today, and we'll do it with some great guests. We've got, of course, since it's Monday, Brandon Weikert. Steve Moore will be joining us as well to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, and I'll uh, do my monologue At the top of the third hour, some cultural observations that get us to some political ones that I think you'll find useful or perhaps at least a little different than what you're hearing from uh, from most. Let me um, let me address right off the top this business of new IRS employees, 86,852 new IRS employees. Byron York writes, you've probably heard Republicans say the Inflation Reduction Act The massive spending bill just passed by Senate Democrats includes provisions to hire 87,000 new IRS agents. The number actually seems too big to believe. And as you know, I often will tell you if something sounds too bad to be true, it usually is. Just as if something sounds too good to be true, it usually is. But that's how bad things are when the thing that is too bad to sound possibly true actually is. Think about it this way, as Byron reminds. The IRS has just about 93,654 employees. That's according to the Office of Personnel Management. Why would Congress, in one bill, increase the IRS workforce by something like 92%? It doesn't seem possible. It certainly doesn't seem wise. Turns out it's not wise, but it is possible. And that is what 50 Senate Democrats, along with tie-breaking Vice President Kamala Harris, did when they passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which gives roughly $80 billion to the IRS between now and 2031. The name Inflation Reduction Act was a ruse to convince gullible voters that Democrats are actually doing something about inflation. The bill itself is made up of expensive climate measures, plus prescription drug provisions, tax increases, and the initiative to increase IRS enforcement. But, of course, the Inflation Reduction Act, IRA, sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Who doesn't want an IRA? Who doesn't want more of an IRA? The Inflation Reduction Act is the slimmed-down version of an even more massive Build Back Better piece of legislation, which failed earlier this year due to the opposition of one Senator Joe Manchin in West Virginia. We know a lot about the IRS provisions of the new bill because the same provisions were in the original Build Back Better, which the administration extensively promoted. That's where the 87,000 figure came from. In May of this of uh, last year, the Treasury Department produced a 22-page analysis of Build Back Better. And in supporting tables, the document said the bill would add 86,852 full-time employees to the IRS between now and the year 2031. Do a little rounding, and that's how you get that 87,000. It's fair to say 
that Democrats are always searching for ways to wring more cash out of taxpayers. The obvious way to do that is to raise taxes. But the largest number of tax collections in the vast is in the vast middle of, of the income scale. It's where middle America is. That's where the vast amount of income from income taxes comes from. To raise taxes on the middle class, however, is politically unpopular. So Democrats pledge to raise taxes on the rich and, of course, rich corporations. The Inflation Reduction Act focuses on corporations, creating a minimum tax for companies with more than $1 billion in profits. As for individuals, the portion of the bill dealing with the IRS says nothing in this section is intended to increase taxes on any taxpayer or small business with a taxable income below $400,000. Further noting in this section is intended to increase taxes on any taxpayer, not in the top 1%. Read it closely and you realize that language means zero, means nothing. The other way Democrats have sought to raise more taxpayer dollars is by beefing up the IRS. The idea is that Americans are, evi- are evading all sorts of taxers, taxes, creating a tax gap. According to the Treasury the Department, the difference between taxes owed to the government and actually paid, that's the tax gap. The Biden administration says tax cheats are primarily high income. In order for the IRS to appropriately focus enforcement scrutiny on high income taxpayers and the businesses they own, which research, which research has shown is the primary source of the tax gap, its budget must be replenished, according to this administration. The problem is what the problem always is. The big money is in the middle class, workers who make more than 400000 That includes people right at that number up to super billionaires. They are only about 1.8% of all taxpayers, even though they account for about a quarter of the nation's income. The other 98.2%, making up about 75% of the nation's income, is a lot bigger. And indeed, that's where much of current IRS enforcement is focused. The same will likely be true of the new muscled-up IRS. They won't be coming for the billionaires. They'll be coming for you. That's where the money is. The main targets will, by necessity, be the middle and upper middle class because that's where the money is, according to the Wall Street Journal. The Joint Committee on Taxation, Congress's official tax scorekeeper, says that from 78% to 90% of the money raised from underreported income would likely come from those making less than $200,000 a year. Only 4% to 9% would come from those making more than half a million a year. In any event, there will be a lot of increased enforcement. About $45 billion of the $80 billion for the IRS will go to investigating taxpayers, investigating Americans. That means that not every one of the IRS's 87,000 new employees will be auditors and examiners. But a lot of that manpower will, in fact, go to audits and increased scrutiny of taxpayers. Many of the targeted taxpayers will have to hire accountants to represent them in dealing with the IRS, of course, and lawyers. Why oppose such a move? After all, Democrats are assuring the public that the money will go to pursue wealthy tax cheats. Wealthy tax cheats are ripping off the American people to the tune of billions and billions of dollars a year, Senator Ron Wyden, D. Oregon, said. Who is not in favor of going after wealthy tax cheats? Well, for one thing, they're not all going to be wealthy and they're not all going to be cheating. The tax system is so complex, people make mistakes when they're not cheating. You give the same return to 100 different accountants, you'll get 100 different 
conclusions as to how that return should be filed. Also, assume the IRS does, in fact, need more money for enforcement. How much is too much? It can be difficult for an organization to handle a huge windfall. It's just too much to deal with efficiently. And that is what it appears Democrats have done to the IRS. Last year, when the Build Back Better provisions were being debated, the New York Times interviewed John Koskinen, who headed the IRS under Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Quote, Koskinen said he thought the $80 billion being proposed by the Biden administration might be too much. The suggestion was surprising coming from someone who lamented loudly that the agency was being starved when he was in charge. I'm not sure you'd be able to efficiently use that much money, Mr. Koskinen said. That's a lot of money. Mr. Koskinen said he thought an extra $25 billion, maybe over a decade, would help bring the IRS budget back to where it was and needed to be. But Democrats do not want to restore the IRS to where it was at some point in the past. They want a new, muscular, aggressive IRS to go after what they determine is wealthy. And when they discover that there isn't enough money there in the quote-unquote wealthy to reach their goal, they'll turn their sights on workers with incomes that don't qualify as wealthy. One last thing. Handing out all that money to the IRS could well mean that more dollars come to the very Democratic lawmakers who passed the bill. Much of the Inflation Reduction Act is designed to boost labor unions, which in turn support Democratic Party politicians. That certainly applies to the IRS portion of the bill, which will provide a big boost to National Treasury employees' unions. You didn't think they had one? They do. The NTEU represents about 70,000 IRS employees. That is out of the total of 93,000 employees. So it is reasonable to assume that of the nearly 87,000 additional employees, yeah, a large percentage of them will join the National Treasury Employees Union. They will pay dues. They'll pay for political contributions. And according to Americans for Tax Reform, the NTEU's Political Action Committee has already donated six hundred nine thousand dollars in the past campaign cycle 97 percent of which went to democrats among the beneficiaries of the union's generosities were speaker nancy pelosi senator dick durbin representative pramilia jayapal it's a massive influx of union dues generated by the irs agents that will likely lead to a corresponding increase in union membership and money to Democratic candidates. See how that works? The Inflation Reduction Act is the Build Back Democratic Party Act, but it's done on your nickel and your dime. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're looking for a really unique investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y. Refi, why, why Refi helps people who are doing their best to dig out of debt the right way by doing the right thing and paying off their debts, doing so with dignity. And what they're offering investors is a fixed, no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in this secure and collateralized portfolio. Why Refi is a due diligence-approved firm. It's run by really great people, as I was mentioning. These investors do really well by doing good for others. You can, too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, and then R-E-F-Y.com. You can also give them a call here at 855-316-3087. I say give them a call here because they're locally based. They're right here. You can go visit them. They won't give you a sales pitch. They'll just tell you 
about what it is that they do and let it speak for itself. You just heard an ad um, uh, from Larry Elder about an event we're doing, Uncle Tom 2, sequel to his uh, first documentary, Uncle Tom, uh, which was fantastic. We had a great event when we showed that with him the first time. And uh, we'll be hosting a premiere with Larry Elder and Brandon Tatum, too, will be joining him uh, right here, August 24th at uh, 6 p.m. Uncle Tom 2 with Larry Elder and Brandon Tatum taking questions from you, the audience, August 24th. Information at 960thepatriot.com. 960thepatriot.com. I mentioned Brandon Tatum, and it reminds me of this really, really weird story that I can't put my hands around. You just wonder about, God, do you even recognize this country anymore? You Folks know the phrase, let's go, Brandon, right? You understand that phrase. We know where it came from. It came from a misheard, well, maybe it was misheard, maybe it wasn't, but it came from a NASCAR <laughs> chant where people were saying something about Joe Biden, I can't say on the air. And it became a a, a euphemism, a, a, you know, a politically fun euphemism uh, to say, let's go, Brandon, to express your, shall we say, disgust with Joe Biden. Brandon was the euphemism for Biden, and let's go was the euphemism for something I can't say on air. You can use your imaginations if you want to, but bring it back. Come back now that your imaginations are <laughs> have exhausted themselves, or they should have. The oddest part of this story is the White House is now embracing. Did you know this? Democrats are now embracing the phrase Brandon and referring to Joe Biden as dark Brandon. Have you seen this, Bill? This is the oddest thing in the world, including with memes and he has laser eyes. They're, they're, they're calling Joe Biden Dark Brandon. Let me read you this part of a story from Fox News. Multiple White House staffers and Democrats have taken to social media attempting to rebrand President Biden as Dark Brandon amid a series of legislative victories. Dark Brandon is crushing it, Andrew Bates, the White House deputy press secretary, tweeted Sunday evening, along with an image of Biden and laser eyes. Right under the image of him, it says, your malarkey has been going on for too long, kiddo. Boy, that frightens you, doesn't it? (laughs) Your malarkey has been going on. They really think they have like a superhero. They really think they have Batman in the White House, don't they? This uh, deputy uh, White House press secretary, Bates, then tweeted another meme with the caption, this malarkey will end and the dark Brandon rises in response to to a critique of his initial post. And it depicts Biden as Batman. They're embracing... It's so weird. There's a weirder part. There's a weirder part. One of the images they're putting out there, the dark Brandon Rises, it's been using a Nazi party logo from the 1930s, an eagle imaged as the Nazi party eagle from the 1930s. Abigail Marone, spokeswoman for Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri tweeted, Personally, I'm not surprised that you're tweeting out Nazi eagle imagery of your boss who reminisces about his segregationist mentor. I guess Dark Brandon started out as a piece of Chinese propaganda, and then the White House co-opted it using Nazi eagle imagery, according to Alex Sears of the Republican National Committee. They're not sending their best, he said. No, they're not. They're embracing Chinese condemnations of Joe Biden. 
and Republican or conservative pejoratives about Joe Biden and trying to rebrand it, accept the label and rebrand it as a positive? Very odd. Very odd indeed. You know, we laugh sometimes when we're not crying about who's running the show at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And you realize real quickly that the lower you go down on the ladder, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. There's an old adage that a fish rots from the head down. Boy, I've never seen anything more palpably exemplar of that than what we're seeing here. You have a president who doesn't know what time it is or what day it is or that he is the president, given what he said last week. And you have a staff that's using the memes of conservatives and thinking they're being clever. And they're so stupid, they grab any logo they can find to get this imagery out there. And it turns out it's Nazi imagery. Meanwhile, they go around telling us white supremacy is the greatest threat to America. Boy, you're at sea without a captain and a ship with no anchor. This is quite dangerous indeed. It reminded me, it put me in mind when I was thinking about the ship metaphor, put me in mind of something George Will once said about Ronald Reagan. He was the great clipper, not kipper, the great clipper, who took Americans out on stormy waters. He calmed those waters, and he calmed the passengers. That's what Ronald Reagan did. Everyone below him was as good as he was. Right now, we're in a situation with an enfeebled president where everyone below him is acting like it's a college dorm room after a kegger has been put away or done. A kegger party has gone on and been done with. It's, it's just the oddest thing, as if we are being run and ruled by college students who don't know anything. Anything. And you wonder, how does this even get out? Does this not go through levels of approval? Does this not go through levels of scrutiny? Reagan had to fight hard to just get his words in that he wanted, given the NSC speechwriters and the State Department censors. He had to fight them all the time to get his message out. There's no fight here whatever with the speechwriters and the deputy and assistant secretaries of this and that. They're running the show. And they're 25. And they're dumb. And they're making our points for us without even knowing it. That's, what, that's, that's, that's the world we're in right now. That's the leadership we have right now. When people say China's laughing at us and Russia's laughing at us, I believe that to be true. But what happens when they're done laughing and they collect their wits about them and they have sights on our allies and sights on other aggressive measures and sights against us? What happens when they're done laughing at the jokes we're making of ourselves? It's not good. We'll talk to Brandon Weikert about that, a different Brandon in just about a half hour. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If we're talking the culture and the economy, which is what we are talking about, it's time to check in with our good friend John Dombrowski of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. Also has his own radio show right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. John Dombrowski, man, it's good to talk to you. We need you, man, like never before. Wow, this has uh, been an interesting weekend. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. Yeah, who knew fighting inflation meant spending more money, a yeah, lot more it's, money? It's, and what a name for it, right? Just put you know, put it, put a name on it that sounds good. Yeah, that's right. Because people like the idea of an IRA, so we'll sure. call it the in, the Inflation Reduction Act. Make it sound good, mm-hmm. and pick a lot of winners and losers. I guess they're sticking it a little bit to the Musk, huh? Elon Musk, just a little bit. They, there's this. There's this uh, proposed rebate for people buying electric vehicles, yeah. but it doesn't look like it's going to apply to Tesla very much. Well, it's it? interesting. Not only Tesla, Lucid Motors, Lucid, Rivian, right. Ford, right. Uh, and any of the big uh, automakers out there who are trying to you know, move forward with uh, creating electric vehicles. Uh, it's very difficult to, uh, you know, when a company has to provide a vehicle that's under $55,000 today, as we know, the cost of everything has gone up. Yeah. Uh, but if uh, you're going to be buying an electric vehicle and you think you're going to get this extended uh, $7,500 tax credit on a new vehicle, uh, you may be surprised if uh, you're wanting to buy something with a couple of extra features in it, like maybe air conditioning and uh, <laughs> you know electric windows. <laughs> yeah, right. It may get you above that $55,000 price. It was almost as if they deliberately targeted. I mean, I, it, it, they, they put it right at the price yes. line, right yeah. at the price line, which you know prices are not going to go down. No. <laughs> they put it right at the price line at the basic, most basic level. Of the uh, of the Tesla, and yeah, you're right. Lucid, which manufactures here, yep. beautiful car. Actually, I think it's the it's the most gorgeous of all of them. Yep. Um, no, you're not going to be able to get any kind of credit for buying a Lucid. No, and Rivian is and another the Rivian, one to pick right, up the truck. The truck and right, the, the people Ford, are talking about Ford F one fifty and the uh, Emoc. You know, it's it's the, all those vehicles uh, are going to be above that. Now, the interesting thing here is too, uh, for used uh, electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. There's a four thousand dollar tax credit as well, right? But again, there's going to be limits, and that, that, that certainly is, you're associated with that. So it's it's really interesting how they want to push this agenda, and yet they want to then take away the uh, you know the subsidy that they they're pro- supposedly providing. There there for. are inevitably in these bills, John, things, language, pieces of language that only people like you understand. What is this? What is, can, you, can you give us a 101 on carried interest? What is this? What is this about carried interest? Okay, so this was uh, Kristen Cinema, right? right? This right. is uh, something that she held out for and wanted to make sure that uh, was left in the bill. Uh, so it's really interesting because normal companies out there who uh, you know, we work and we, we have profits in our companies, our corporations. Uh, any of those profits are taxed as ordinary income. But if we are to take some of our own personal money and we invest it in the stock market, as an example, or in real estate, and we hold that investment for a period of time over a year, uh, then we would get a little bit of a tax break. It, well, we'd get some capital gains taxes, and a long-term capital gains tax rate is 20%. Mm-hmm. So if you know you could pay tax at a 20% rate rather than say 30 or 35%, of course we'd want to do that. Mm-hmm. But that is for an investment. Well, the tax that we're talking about here, which is the carried interest um, investment, that is for companies such as um, Wall Street companies, say uh, hedge fund companies uh, or other types of companies similar to that, where the profits out of the company – they're taking those profits, 
the vast majority of the profits uh, for their compensation, and they're getting an advantage of being taxed at a capital gains tax rate rather than ordinary income tax Mm -hmm, rates. mm -hmm. So again, here we, the average people out there, have to pay ordinary income taxes on profits of our companies, but these Wall Street companies are able to get a reduced tax rate. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, the Democrats are constantly pushing how the wealthy need to pay more taxes, and yet here is only the wealthy that are able to do this, uh, and they're being able to probably pay 50% of what the normal tax rate that they should be paying on uh, uh, that income. Boy, on the political side, what a shift in the notion of who the Democratic Party stands for and who the Republican Party stands for these days. What a reversal. Yeah, it was also interesting, I guess, with Cinema, she held out for some type of uh, you know funds for Arizona yeah. for flood. Yeah. Flood, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We don't get, I guess we do have floods here in Arizona, but could have held out for a lot, maybe better things, yeah. such as, a, such yeah. as uh, help at the border. Yeah, how about taking just some of those new IRS agent at, uh, uh, increases and put them along on our border? Why not that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. save us a good. lot of money. Yeah, that's too smart. So. No, it would be, yeah, I guess it would be. <laughs> All right, J.D. All right, Securities and Advisory Services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC, and I affiliated. Go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. You can request an appointment right there with yours truly. Love Thanks, you, man. Love you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature. Their fruits and veggies are what I take every single day. Pure, potent plant power. A blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables. You take it just once a day, and you have improved and boosted your energy, your health, your immunity, with the equivalent of 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. Who gets 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every day? Probably not even vegetarians. You can get it with Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Bob is in Payson. Hello, Bob. Hi, Steph. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you? Hey, I've been thinking through this, and I believe, I believe, the new bill proposed to sign this Friday, I believe, is in fact going to be deflationary. Okay, good. Why you ask? Yeah. First, let's take a look. What is inflation? We all know it's a typical supply and demand curve. It's more and more and more dollars chasing fewer and fewer items. That causes inflation. Am I correct? That's that's the standard definition. They may change it given this White House, but <laughs> until until yesterday, that was what most people called inflation. Yes. Okay, here's here's how this is going to work. With 87,000 new IRS auditors, I believe, checking old 1040 filings, then all Americans are going to have to pay back taxes. If we refuse to pay, they're going to debit our checking and savings and retirement accounts. So every American is going to have less and less and less money. It's going to be deflationary. So there'll be less and less dollars chasing more and more things. That's deflation, which will eventually lead the way these morons are doing it to, to, to depression, I believe. What say you? Well, I think you're on to something, Bob, but I think you're on to a half of the stick because you tell me, you've thought this through more than I have. 
it's 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 taking more and more money away from Americans if these audits prove successful. And I don't know audits that don't <laughs> usually prove successful. <laughs> but but it's not that you're taking that spending power out of the economy when you take that money out. You have the government spending almost a trillion dollars to get us there. You have the government spending practically a trillion dollars. Now, in an inflationary time, you tell me what definition of inflation says have the government print and spend more money to chase, in fact, fewer and fewer goods, like these electric vehicles, which will not be available to Americans under this plan. Well, I, we all know they're going to take this income they're going to get from the American taxpayer and make them poor again, and they're going to buy down the deficit. We know that, correct? Well, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Just just as much as I have ocean property for you on Camelback Avenue, you're on Camelback here. It's Camelback Road. It's Camelback Road. I always say Avenue. It's Camelback Road. But I I believe all these people in the White House that they're doing drugs. They got to be for breakfast. I really believe that. Well, there's there's something odd going on, but I don't think it's necessarily that. I don't think I I just don't think it is. Uh, Bob, I'll tell you, I, I think it is fundamentally uh, a, a hoodwinking of, of, of America with a socialist enterprise at play here. This is why they engage in so many redefinitions of terms. Why would they redefine terms if they were acceptable as is, right? Why are they redefining what a recession is? Why are they redefining what a vaccine is? Why are they redefining what is deflationary and inflationary by dint of their effort? I, in the light of day, if you can't if you can't indicate precisely what you mean to say, and you're using alternative words, alternative facts, euphemisms, and neologisms, it means you're hoodwinking us, and you're hoodwinking us for a purpose. And that purpose okay. is what they say from time to time when they let it slip that we're going through a fundamental transformation. That's what they are trying okay. to do. They are trying to transform the country, starting with the economy. Well, they already started this by yeah. trying to transform history yeah the yeah they history. are moving on to yes you're you're absolutely right bob by the way i gotta say a very sad thing i mean i don't even know how to put this all together but uh the greatest living american historian david mccullough passed today he was uh, 89 years old uh and uh, lived a long and full and great life contributed so much to our history you think about all we lost in a way over the last uh the news of the passings of the last uh of the last 24 hours. So you lost one of the key actors from Magnum P.I., which really shaped the 1980s. We learned that we lost Olivia Newton-John, which really was kind of a part of the, a big, huge part of the 1970s, and music videos. She really pioneered a lot with the music video business and industry. And then you lose, so you lose the 70s, you lose the a part of the 70s, a big part of the 80s, and then you lose the entire narrative of history with the loss of someone who put it all of American history in context for us, like David McCullough. Well, you know, he's the one whose tribute should really be the greatest. My producer, Bill, was making the point earlier. Bill, how did you put it? Uh, his death will be lost. What was, how did you do it? Who's going to get that Farrah Fawcett effect? Or you put it yeah. even greater example. Do, do the, what's, the, the Farrah Fawcett eff- what's the Farrah Fawcett effect? Uh, she died the same day as Michael Jackson. Okay, so Michael Jackson's death outcrowded and overshadowed Farrah Fawcett's death. 
Yes, and you have that other example. Princess Di and Mother Teresa died within the same week. Everyone went to the Teresa funeral to cover that in the UK, and then someone Everyone said— went to the Diana funeral. And what did I say? Teresa. I meant the Diana funeral. I'm sorry. They all went to the Princess Diana funeral in the UK, and then Mike Barnacle said, aren't we going to spend some time commemorating Mother Teresa, whose life was at least as meaningful as Princess Diana's? And everyone went, yeah, we got to go cover Mother Teresa as well. Yeah, David McCullough's death will be overshadowed today by the celebrity death of uh, Olivia Newton-John, who, from all I can tell, led, a, led an okay life and, and you know contributed effectively positive things to the culture, best I can tell, best I know. But David McCullough? I mean, a man who gave us... You know, I often quote—I'm going to do it when we come back on the other side. He gave testimony to the United States Senate in 2005 on the state of teaching American history. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing, what he said. It's, uh, it's really some of the most important stuff for our country and our culture to absorb. And my guess is his death will be about as noticeable to the rest of the country as was this testimony in 2005, when indeed it was some of the most important testimony ever given to the United States Senate about how we understand American history. I'll do it when we come back. You want to go out with a little of David McCullough narrating? Uh, beautiful voice. Take it out instead of the music. If uh, You can't do that, can you? Can you do I that? I can. Yeah? Give us a little David McCullough. This is He narrated the movie Seabiscuit. Go ahead and give us a little. They called it the car for every man. Henry Ford himself called it a car for the great multitude. It was functional and simple, like your sewing machine or your cast iron stove. You could learn to drive it in less than a day. And you could get any color you wanted, so long as it was black. When Ford first conceived the Model T, it took 13 hours to assemble. Within five years, he was turning out a vehicle every 90 seconds. Of course, the real invention wasn't the car, it was the assembly line that built it. Pretty soon, other businesses had borrowed the same techniques. Seamstresses became button sewers. Furniture makers became knob turners. It was the beginning and the end of imagination all at the same time. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Yeah, I was just mentioning David McCullough and his passing. If you've ever seen the movie Seabiscuit, which I think is really one of the most underrated movies, it's a beautiful movie. Uh, wonderful series of culture and slices of American history about just a a, a great story. Um, David McCullough actually narrated it. I've 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 made reference to the one more quote. Did, did you want to play it? I've I've done this from time to time with David McCullough's line, but let's hear let's hear the old man say it himself. At a time when the world really needed a drink, you couldn't get one in the United States of America. Liquor was illegal. Diversions were scarce, and there's just so much a human being can do without. Soon, the border town was born, providing everything to the south that their neighbor to the north would not. You could find anything. Food, companionship, 
decent gin, and with gambling outlawed as well, the chance to turn bad luck into good. And uh, anyway, that was uh, David McCullough. In 2005, he testified to the uh, United States Senate on uh, our poor history standards and what, what, what was causing it. And uh, I'll read to you some of it. I probably don't have a lot of time in this segment. But he said, I think the problem is essentially that we have been teaching our teachers the wrong way. I'm quoting directly. We have too many teachers who have graduated with degrees in education, and they are assigned to teach history. Now, the teacher who doesn't know the subject is up against a big handicap in three ways, and consequently, therefore, the students are. Anybody trying to teach a subject they don't know has right away got a problem. But it is also impossible to love what you don't know, just as it is impossible to love someone you don't know. And we all know from our experience in school, those of us who were lucky enough to have wonderful teachers, the best teachers were the teachers that were really excited about what they were teaching. Their enthusiasm, their affection for what they were teaching was tangible. And he concludes that when the teacher doesn't know the subject, they can't love the subject. And if they don't love the subject, they're not going to communicate or teach the subject very well. Now, take a step back, folks. I mean, the testimony goes on and on, but think about what he's put his finger on. Think about teachers teaching American history today. Some of them know some of it. They don't know what they used to know, but some of them do know some of it. Do they love it or do they hate it? And what's being communicated to our students? Now you understand or can begin to grasp why I say the most important problem facing this country is that 50% of our high school seniors, 17 and 18-year-olds, graduate high school with an F in American history just as they are going on to maybe cast their first vote, possibly get their first job, go on to higher education, join the military, and they are aliens in a country they don't know. That chicken is coming home to roost faster by the day. McCullough was onto it years ago.